Welcome to the Cutting Onions Podcast with Bobby Shaw, where we celebrate culture that develops leaders. In today's episode, I sit down with Libby Balsaker, the founder of Chica Communications, where she's passionate about advancing socially conscious efforts that underscore corporate integrity and global responsibility. Libby was also one of the early marketing leaders at Chipotle when it was all about grassroots and field marketing strategies. She did some incredible work in building the brand in those early days when there weren't a lot of marketing dollars, the sales weren't great, and there was doubt about whether we'd make it in California, and the moment that changed everything. Libby and I talked about her work at Chipotle and how it's influenced her and the important work she's doing now around growing creative startups, many of which are led by female entrepreneurs and helping them market their businesses. Libby's an incredible leader and she continues to make an impact in organizational cultures and in the lives of those creating those cultures. It was such a pleasure chatting with her. She's the real deal. Here's my conversation with Libby Balsiger, and we'll see you on the other side. I'm Libby Balsiger, and uh, Bobby, you and I met while we were both working for Chipotle. Yes, we uh, did. Those were very exciting times. Um, and I wrapped up my wonderful career there at the end of 2017 after having the opportunity to grow the brand from gosh, 200 to 2,500 restaurants. That's amazing. Uh, It was a wild, it was a wild and great ride. Um, I learned so much while I was there really getting the job sort of right out of college. Um, and now I've started my own consultancy. And I'm working with several brands related to restaurants, um, from technology, a gaming app, to an authentic New York pizza place here in LA, to keto uh, buns and pizza crusts, you know, all the way over to organic agave margaritas. So really exciting, um, kind of groundbreaking new ideas that uh, have been opened up, I think, largely in part to the movement that Chipotle created about bringing quality ingredients, gourmet food in a, in a quick service format. So um, my consultancy actually focuses on growing creative startups, many of which are led by female entrepreneurs um, from all over and you know, also right here in California, um, really helping them you know, market their businesses and also just get these quality food, you know, raw vegetables on the go, things that um, are really going to be a part of the future uh, that people need who may not have time to cook and, uh, and seek out those quality ingredients and actually have them in an affordable price. So it's not just something that's, you know, only people who have a lot of money can have access to. It's really bringing that to uh, the more affordable um, price point that, you know, everyone can, um, can enjoy. You know, Libby, I know your background and I never really thought about it, but it makes so much sense that really you're continuing what you've always done, right? You're continuing the journey from what you started yeah. at Chipotle, right? You're taking that, that very small mentality, you know, kind of that, you know, new company, that new kind of, you know, startup mentality that we had at Chipotle, because I think a lot of people don't know this, but in the early days, I mean, at Chipotle, and you know this, there, mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of money. There wasn't a lot of money. There wasn't a lot of marketing dollars. There wasn't a lot of no. dollars. It was super grassroots, yep. super like street fighting, right? It was, it, was, <laughs> it was very much like, how do we get the word out? How do we, 
how do we tell the story? And, oh, yeah. I have right? vivid memories of getting a box of burritos and carrying them down the street of San Francisco <laughs> by hand. I don't know what we were thinking of with one of our crew members. We're walking these boxes of burritos down to a local radio station just to feed these you know, radio, the radio personalities say, Hey, you know, will you just eat these burritos and maybe talk about them over there? I mean, super grassroots or chasing people, you know, down the street. Hey, have you tried our burritos? And, you know, people in California rolling their eyes saying, well, this is burrito is nothing new. I've had burritos, you know, really trying to get over that stigma of just being another burrito joint. Um, So it's amazing. Yeah. I love, I love what you're doing now. I I mean, I love that. I mean, it sounds so, I mean, it sounds so cutting edge and it's really been building for years. And now I think people are ready to hear that message. And especially, I think that people more than ever, and I think it's been true for a while, but I think now even more than ever, people want to know where their food is coming from. Yes. They want to know what those ingredients are. I think that traceability is super important for them. And all of that. So it sounds like you're just right there in that sweet spot. Oh, yeah. It warms my heart to hear people talk about where did this come from? Is this from a local farm? I mean, that that's really the movement we wanted to create with Chipotle. We started Chipotle. The only other format that was close to what we had was Subway. That didn't really count because all of the food was coming from a package, you know, and coming from somewhere else. And so to actually have food that had been marinating, you know, overnight um, and the meats were going to be served, you know, that day and having, you know, all the prep people coming in at seven in the morning and cutting vegetables and making guacamole just didn't exist. Um, And so, yeah. And just to see that now, and then also just the education for people to really care about where that food comes from and also, you know, giving family farmers um, uh, something to, to, to work towards and keeping them in business. And I mean, that just makes me so happy. My dad uh, grew up on a farm in Eastern Iowa. And so, you know, I knew how difficult it was for his family to, to make a living and, and seeing that we could support these, you know, food co-ops in Iowa, these, pig farmers and, and actually give them business that would sustain, you know, their livelihood. And that was really powerful. And now you just see so many other companies doing that. So I, I did not, I did not know that about you. Yeah. Is, yes. Okay. Well then you're going to appreciate this. And I know you've seen it because <laughs> if you remember when we used to open restaurants, we used to hang these really cool posters and pictures up kind of in the queue line, right? So yeah. you walk in the front door and we'd have these really nice pictures framed. Yeah. And yeah. so when we opened Nebraska, I was an area manager in Kansas City and I had the Nebraska market, which was super fun. And I remember, it's so funny, I didn't know this about, I didn't know about the Iowa connection with you, mm-hmm. but when we were in the restaurant, we had hung this really cool poster up that we got from William Espy. And it said on this poster, it was this the classic old school thing that we used to do at Chipotle, right? Really grassroots. <laughs> it said, we know exactly where our pork comes from. It comes from Dwayne. And it was the yeah. name of a farmer in Iowa. I mean, yes. that's where we were getting the pork from. I mean, I just love, yes. love that really super organic. And people love that, right? Like it literally came from Dwayne. 
right? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. we were much smaller then, right? We had like 250 restaurants, 300 restaurants. So it was super mm-hmm. small, right? But mm-hmm. I love that. When we talk about traceability, you can't get much more traceable than that. <laughs> no. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and meeting Paul Willis, another one of our oh, farmers, going so to his great. farm. I mean, yes, I love having that, that be a part of our learning, having to read um, all of the books uh, yep. and the documentaries, including Food yep. Inc., Food Fast Inc. Food Nation, um, you know, Fed Up more recently. I mean, that was all required Absolutely. for Absolutely. for us to understand what the mission was and what we were working toward. And well, I can't get that out of my system. That no, will always be a part I can't. of who I am. I can't either. And, you know, like, you know, even the books too, that we read, you know, from Michael Pollan, you know, mm-hmm. the work and, and in defensive food and, 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 and so just so many others, right. It was just an amazing story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, like you, I was so proud to be a part of that. And, and like you, I can't get it out of my system. I can't get it out right. of my head. Right. And, and, right. you know, I think that's really great because that's really, and I, you know, from time to time, whenever I talk about this, you know, to someone, I have to remind myself what our, you know, what our mission was and what it was mm-hmm. that, you know, what it was that Steve really wanted to do, which is he yep. wanted to change the way the world thought about and ate fast food. And you know what? He did. I mean, yeah. we did. I mean, we really did. I mean, I know all the reasons that you just talked about and all the things that you're doing now and all the work that you're doing with some of these other companies, mm-hmm. that is really where it started. That is really where it started. So really did. It's, it's something to be very proud of. And, yep. you know, I, I, I wish them well now as they grow yep. and, and, and continue to spread that message and continue to stay at a price point that people can afford. Um, it really, that, that makes me happy. And, and I, I hope that me continues too. for, for a long time in the future. And I hope so too. And that's the challenge, right? When you grow and you scale and you get really big and you have lots of channels, you know, distribution things that are going on, it Mm -hmm. makes it really difficult, but hopefully all those relationships with those, you know, with those early farmers and, you know, with their families and, and, you know, hopefully they can maintain that. And I wish them all the best. Yeah. Agreed. Awesome. Awesome. So you've had quite a journey. You've had quite (laughs) a journey. So when you think about, when you think about your trajectory coming out of college mm-hmm. and working for a company that no one could pronounce, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, all the growth that you had in California. Oh, wait, I got to tell you. Okay. I just have to ask you about this. This is totally yeah. off script, but yeah, I got to ask you about the whole Ozzy Osbourne thing because when I was oh, in yeah. training, when I was in training, right. That's exactly when all this was going on. Oh, and, wow. And of course, Amber, and, and I, think, I think that, you know, Amber Ingebretson. So she, she ended up coming um, to work for me in Texas. She became a restaurateur and then she worked in the training department. But I believe Amber, because it was the Hollywood restaurant, right? It was the one mm-hmm. um, right downtown. Where was that restaurant that Ozzy went to? Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills. Yeah. She was, she was there. And yes, she was. <laughs> so she ran that restaurant. And so, of course, I didn't know her then because I was in training and I was going to Kansas City. But eventually, you know, she worked with me in Austin. And so, but I, when I was in training, I heard all these crazy stories. I bet people would love to hear just a snippet about what that was like. Because, <laughs> because I heard numbers at the time, like, because there was no way to really quantify, like, yeah. how that helped the brand. But it was it was a number, right? They yeah. tried to attach a number to it and it was huge. And I think, oh, yeah. love it. 
about that for a second. Yeah. So the Aussie effect. <laughs> At the time, this was 2003. And, you know, I got to say California, the California region was really struggling. Yeah. It was very difficult to compete. We I were remember. just, you know, as I yeah. said, another burrito joint. Uh, Baja Fresh was absolutely ruling the area and also Rubio's. Um, and it was just very difficult to get above the noise uh, and really get people to try our food. So we were struggling. And I remember very specifically when we had some uh, corporate executives come and visit our restaurants in California and figure out what we were doing wrong. I thought, I may not have a job very soon. Right. And it was scary. Luckily, they decided to keep us afloat and pour more money into us, even though we were not profitable in, in the entire state. And then all of a sudden, Ozzy Osbourne comes into this restaurant he can't pronounce and was very, very funny in how he would pronounce Chipotle in his British accent. <laughs> but the, you know, MTV culture um, among, you know, 18 and 22 year olds was very, very influential and very powerful. And um, he came in and he was one of the first reality shows. And as we know, reality shows just have taken on a new genre, but at the time it was one of the first. And so, you know, he comes in, they get, uh, with cameras, they get a shot of the Chipotle sign outside in Beverly Hills. He walks in, he talks about the burritos and mumbling about Chipotle burritos and mumbling as he walks down the line, how, you know, F-bomb good they are and, uh, and get this right. all on film. Right. And then everybody's kind of looking at him and he's shuffling through the line and talking about how he's also going to get a burrito for his dog because his dog loves Chipotle burritos. <laughs> and so it is, it's just, he comes, he even orders extras, puts them in his fridge. And, um, you know, that's what I heard. I wonder if that was really true, but that's true. Uh, he would order well, they extra. have it on camera. So we don't, we don't send the footage. So it was great. Amber, and he would come in all the time. And Amber yeah. told me that he would just stop the line. Like it was just a, it was just, oh, yeah. you, know, when, you know, when he was in there, it was just like everything stopped. Right. Yeah. Just it was because it was such a spectacle. It was. And it was, it was just so popular to follow that family and, and um, you know, on the Osbournes and see you know, what they were going to do next. So um, as this progressed, we started to see our numbers turning around and you could see, you could look at our sales, uh, basically looking at perhaps an annual you know, graph and you saw a dramatic increase in sales from kind of stable at you know, a certain range and all of a sudden skyrocket and it didn't go back down. It stayed up there and it's because yep. we had figured out how to crack that very finicky, you know, influential crowd of, you know, 18 to 22. And then by influencing them and kind of, you know, ignoring high school students, then we became really cool to high school students. So Absolutely. that became our bread and butter and, and still is to this day at Beverly Hills supported by the you know, high schools 
in the surrounding area. I and mean, it just, be, it became the hangout. And uh, so, yeah, lines out the door, people couldn't get enough. And Chipotle started to become, you know, a household brand. And it, it we have conference rooms named after Ozzy. And <laughs> it was just mind blowing. And then I would say the next time that happened was when Steve Ells, our founder, was on Oprah. Yep. And that's when I she interviewed that. Michael Pollan. And then we yep. saw another dramatic increase after that, which was around right after the IPO 2007. Right. Um, we started expanding the menu into salads and the all, you know, that boost never went down. And then it just continued to go up and up and up. So. I love it. I remember mm-hmm. talking to Mike Duffy about this. And I remember Duffy said it, it was like, it was like that. Like the minute mm. that happened with Ozzy, right? That first time it was like, yeah. I spread like fire. Yeah, Just, that was that was it. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. And a huge part of our history. And not a lot of people know that. So that's right. That's a, that's a fun story. Uh, that is a fun story to share. History. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah. thank you for sharing that. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> so, so you've had an incredible career and you've done so much. So when you think about your journey as a leader, what are some of the hurdles that you've had to overcome? Because I know it hasn't all been smooth sailing, right? Because it never is. So no, it never what are, is. What, <laughs> what are some of the hurdles that you've had to overcome and <laughs> how it's helped to make you better? Yeah. Well, contrary to the uh, straight line increases we saw at Chipotle from those two events, the Aussie <laughs> effect and Oprah, uh, straight, straight line to success is, is not how it works. So No, no um, it's not. No, it's yeah. not. So some of the hurdles I had, I mean, really, you know, being a recent grad coming to Chipotle, I was really fresh in my career. So I needed to, first of all, have confidence. I had to have courage to ask people, you know, how to get to the next step. I had to try to find mentors, which that I found to be really, really hard. Um, And then just... I felt like I was just stuck in my career path. I kind of reached a certain level, but I was always, you know, oh, right out of college. You know, you just kind of get that, um, you know, that becomes a part of your story. And so, oh, you know, you started with 12 when you were really young. And and it's it's sometimes hard to shake that because you're just sort of that person that came in really young. Um, So I had to figure out how to gain new responsibility and try to learn as much as possible. Um, And just remember that this is temporary. Even if I had to pick up kind of something that was really mundane, I had to do it in order to get to the next level. So I just, I had to ask questions. I had to have courage. I had to get over the fact that I felt like I didn't know anything in the room because everyone else had all of this experience in, you know, it was either quick service or restaurants or, you know, I had some experience in restaurants, but I had no idea what was in front of me and what sort of challenges we were going to have, not only as a, as a restaurant company, but also as the startup that's trying to completely transform the industry. I just had no idea how to do that or what I was in, in store for. So, you know, I, I remember, Often in meetings, I was the only female in the room and I had to give myself pep talks because I wasn't the loudest person in the room. And I had to remember, you know, 
sometimes you just <laughs> I know who you worked with and no yeah. you were not the loudest person no. in the room Libby. no not even close so you uh -oh. kind of start a sentence and if you didn't have a lot of confidence you would get cut off and yeah. that intimidated me quite a bit and so I had to remember that the questions I had other people likely had in the room and they were thinking the same things and so just ask just if you even you had to stand up you know do it um and and i would have to give myself you know pep talks um before meetings to say you can do this remember if you have a chair at the table you're supposed to be there you are invited to be there so don't let that fear overcome you um and I had to remember that if I was doing a restaurant visit, meeting with a general manager, or I was at a meeting, speak up and never leave that visit without offering something meaningful or an opinion or something impactful that that person can take with them. Because absolutely, absolutely, that's 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 what you can do, and you don't even realize the power in that one-to-one -one dialogue, um, just having a voice, uh, what your perspective can offer. Um, and then you would, you know, perhaps run into a general manager years later. I remember when you said this, I remember saying that. Really? You remember that? Oh, wow. That's so cool. Um, and that, that is really so rewarding to hear that. And if you don't have the courage to do that, you're never going to have those experiences. So, yeah, I really had to just remember to have courage, don't have fear, and, and don't listen to that voice inside your head saying, you know, that's not really important. You shouldn't say that. It's just you do have the right to be in those rooms and make it count. That's awesome, Libby. Thank you for sharing that. And it's so true. I mean, and it takes a lot, I mean, it takes a lot of courage to ask the questions, right? And, mm -hmm. and I want to unpack something you said a few minutes ago because you're absolutely right there's more than one, there's more than one person. You're not the only person that has that question, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever the question is, there are other people that have those questions. Yeah. And it takes a lot of courage to ask that question, right? Really? It's a risk being viewed as not knowing what you're doing or why would she ask that question, right? But the reality is when you ask those questions, everyone else feels empowered in the room, right? Because yeah. they were thinking it too, right? But it takes a, it takes a high degree of courage to be able to step out into the unknown and, to be able to ask the question as the new person, right? Absolutely. And I yep. think that truly is a law of success is being okay with not knowing everything. Uh, yeah. Being okay with asking questions and being open to listening. In fact, I heard a, a great uh, number comparison of Listening to talking, I think, is so valuable that you listen 70% of the time and you talk 30% of the time. And that may be that you only say one thing about yourself in an entire conversation. But, you know, that person will walk away from that interaction thinking you're the best person in the world because they've had the opportunity to share of their course. experience, you know? Right. And then you're opening up and building relationships and, and really setting yourself up for success by doing that. Um, so I, I think it, you know, at first I was so afraid of not knowing all of the answers, especially being put in small leadership positions. It's just like, okay, now I have to know all the answers. 
You know, I have to, I have to be the one who knows everything. And then I found out that a lot of great leaders say, gosh, I don't know the answer to that question, but I'll find out and I'll get back right. to you. And wow. Right. Okay. I really respect that because that person was honest with me and they didn't, they didn't just pretend and fake it, you know, right. And right. make stuff up. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, oh no. I know. Oh no. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, and I think that's a great segue because you just mentioned this and as you think about this, like as you began to build your platform and you began to get that confidence and exude that courage, what was the moment that you realized, you know what, I can take on even more leadership than I have right now, mm. even more of a role than I have right now. What was that moment for you? Can you think back to when that was? You know, what's interesting is that I was at Chipotle for 16 years and company went through a lot of changes and I moved, you know, in and out of different departments and it was really exciting. Um, but it wasn't until after I left that I really realized how much I knew. I mean, we were around so many talented people and I learned so much while I was there, but until I was given the opportunity to do something outside of Chipotle and really make an impact and hear what people had to say, you know, working with, um, the investors and advisors I worked with that this company that was uh, in the Techstars Accelerator, I mean, these are some of the best of the best. And they were so complimentary and just couldn't have said nicer things about, you know, the story that I had and some of my contributions. It was like, whoa, okay, I feel like I can take on a lot more now because I've just gotten this validation from all of these successful entrepreneurs and people who've run, you know, billion dollar companies and they're actually asking me questions. It was like such a validation and I think it really increased my confidence to say, okay, I have to do something with my experience at Chipotle and I've got to give back what I learned and, and really, especially encourage youth to not be afraid to talk to people and how to grow in their careers. And then also, you know, empower female leaders who are trying to navigate not only corporate, corporate America, but being an entrepreneur as well. And, and um, I felt like, okay, I can do this. I, I actually know more now that I'm out <laughs> than I ever thought. Right. Um, Absolutely. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. That is, so. that is really powerful. That is really powerful. And I think that's such an important lesson for everyone to learn is that, is that when you are a leader and when you're leading, sometimes you don't understand the impact you have until in mm -hmm. some cases it's years later. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, that's really when you know that you've had an impact and you know, that same thing happened to me. Um, in fact, just this year, uh, I got a note on LinkedIn from someone who I never met. In fact, she didn't start until two years after I left Chipotle. She didn't start until 2014. Oh, wow. And she started on Tortilla. And she sent me a note, just wanted to let me know where she was at in her career path. And she wanted to thank me for the efforts that we all put into really creating the people culture that she was able to mm. grow up in. And it was such a moment for me and I'll just be super transparent. Mm -hmm. The day before I got this note on LinkedIn, so, you know, I think 
we always think, you know, we all want to tend to think the best, but there are times where we go, did what we do really matter? Yeah. Did what we do really make a difference? Was it important? And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was having that thought, you know, earlier in the week. And then this next day I get this note and I'm like, it was just like, it was just the perfect timing. And it was such validation that yes, what we did was important. Yes. What we did mattered. And we absolutely did make a difference. And, and when you hear those type of stories, it just really makes you realize that it was all worth it. Oh, absolutely. So I love that. I love that. And I appreciate you sharing that um, as well. That was really good. So, so when you think about your career and, and, you know, from what you're doing now is you look back over your time that you worked for Chipotle, you started there right out of college, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have to think about it now and you had to go back in time and you had to give (laughs) yourself some advice as that college as that college getting ready to enter the workforce with a little burrito company, what advice would you give yourself? Have integrity. It Mm. is my highest value. And I saw more people come and go because they put that value aside or they didn't value it in order to grow in their career, in order to have, you know, affairs outside of the yep. workplace. I just, yep. you know, and I just remember watching, you learn a lot from watching people who were terminated and, you know, as Duffy, you one sure of our do. leaders, yeah, yep. Duffy would say, oh, that person took a stupid pill. And it was just tragic to see yep. some of these very talented people one day making a bad decision and that affected their you know, employment at Chipotle. And I just remember, I don't have to know everything. I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. That's right. But I have my integrity and that, that shapes every decision that I make. And I think that that has really helped me throughout my career. Um, and I would say that to anyone who's just getting started is just really have integrity. And then I think the other thing that I would say to my 25 year old self is (laughs) (laughs) confidence is the one thing you can always wear and it never goes out of style. (laughs) Oh, I like that. I like that. I'm going to quote that. That is totally tweetable. That is totally tweetable. I'm on it. I love it. So Uh, good. Yeah. So good. Um, So (laughs) you and I started about the same time um, for Mm -hmm. Chipotle. I started in 2002, the end of 2002. So, and you were there a little longer than I was, but I know Mm -hmm. while we were both there, one of the things that we spent a lot of time on as an organization is we talked about how important it was to have the right culture and to create the right culture for our restaurants for the entire organization. So the question I want to ask you is, is is why is culture important? Why does that matter? Mm. Culture is everything. Uh, We really prioritize that at Chipotle because it was important. It was more important to us to focus on the people, the people we hired and spent a lot of time you know, interviewing people and making sure that the team 
wanted to hire the person that we were interviewing. And the reason for that is because we spend so much time at work, so much time at work, uh, more than we spend with our families, more than our time off. And yep, that's for we, sure. you know, really wanted to make it a place where people wanted to come to work and we would reward them for that with opportunities to move up, um, to be, to have bonuses, um, to really respect general managers and crews, people on the front line as being the most important people who work for Chipotle. Um, and, and you could see that on the faces of our teams every single day. Welcome to Chipotle. Yep. How are you? Knowing people's orders. And you're not going to do that if you're in a place where you can't relate to the people you work with. You don't feel excited. You don't feel empowered to do your job. Um, and so that's when we started to create the magic of Chipotle and what was so, um, it was, you know, just a place that had something that people almost couldn't describe, you know, and just people would eat there every single day. And I I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It was like this. Yeah. It was like this cult and (laughs) like people, you know, people would just do anything to eat at Chipotle and to work for Chipotle. It was so competitive. I remember we had someone who graduated from Harvard, I think, and he wanted to learn how to run restaurants and open a, a restaurant of his and franchise a restaurant of his own. And he came into one of our restaurants that started as a grill cook and learned everything he could and ended up being the best experience of his life because the team was so welcoming and uh, and and everyone was treated equally, and yeah. um, we we had our culture and language programs, the language development programs, which I was so fortunate to be a part of. Yep. And was able to go in and talk to people who had been working in the restaurant perhaps over a decade or just starting out, and English was not the first language, and they would sit with me and we would talk about how to write emails in English and how to lead in English. And these people were moving up and getting company cars and being able to have the, the home of, you know, their dreams. And I mean, talk about being rewarding for all of us. Uh, and the fact that the company prioritized that and, and put money into that was just, it was unheard of. Um, and so that, just showed me that this is a place I want to be with for a long time um, because the people were the highest value. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about what you just said, Libby, and you said that so beautifully is that what we did internally with our team, with our crew, with our employees that translated to what the guests felt. Mm. They really did. Mm -hmm. They, they felt it. I mean, because there was so much pride in those restaurants and there was so much pride as, you know, we developed the restaurant tour program and, you know, especially yeah. in those early days, right? The first four or five years, six years, seven years of that. It was, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it was magic. I mean, yeah. it, it was magic. It, it was magic when we realized as a company and really a lot of this credit has to go to Monty Moran because, you know, he had recognized that when we would hire someone from the outside as a manager, eight times out of 10, they would fail. I mean, mm-hmm. they would fail. And you know, we had some success, of course, but you know, when we realize we have all this talent inside of our restaurants and why aren't we cultivating that talent? 
Why yeah. aren't we creating opportunities for them? I mean, that was, that was magic. I mean, yeah. and I don't think anybody at the time knew what it was going to be right. when we did it. Right. We just started working with it. And, you know, to be honest, we, you know, we didn't know what we, what we didn't know. And, and so we right. started working with people, <laughs> develop systems and, you know, yeah. a kitchen manager role and a service manager role. And all of a sudden we heightened what it meant to be a GM for Chipotle. And it was, I was so proud. I know you were too, to be a part of that and to mm. be, to be yeah. in the room and to be in those conversations and to get a chance to meet those people. And what you said, which is to change their life. And, you know, I talk about this a lot. I interviewed someone a couple weeks ago who works for a nonprofit. He's not even in the restaurant business, but he has this concept of changing the arc of someone's story. And I think that is, that's mm. what we did. We changed the arc of a story. I mean, we yeah. impacted someone's life, many, many people's lives. I mean, in so many ways and not only their lives, but the lives of their family. And mm -hmm. um, that's yeah. why culture matters. That's why culture matters. Yeah. yeah. And taking the time out to recognize people, yep. um, to, co to compliment people and offer them ways they can improve and grow. They would treasure that forever. And it, yep. and it would just increase morale. I mean, we had some of the lowest turnover in restaurant history yep. while Absolutely. you and I were both there. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So in your, current role now in your very entrepreneurial role now and I love what you're doing and I love that you're so focused on helping other leaders be able to grow and 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 you know to be able to do some really cool exciting things um I love it and 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 so how are you taking what we did at Chipotle and this idea of really building a strong culture and how are you connecting that to what you're doing now and to what mm. your vision is now Wow. I mean, everything that we just talked about, um, really being authentic and asking people, you know, what motivates you? What are you passionate about? And working with people that have the same values and really think as, you know, we thought at Chipotle, I mean, that, that what we were talking about is how we shaped other people's lives. That should shaped my life too. I mean, I, that is who I am, you know, and I now yep. believe I've seen it in action. I've seen it work. I went to uh, Playful right after I left Chipotle, which is the gaming app where you play games, casual games like Candy Crush, and you would win food in restaurants. And I saw the culture that was created there and how much that was valued. And so I, I connected with that. I fit right in. And so I, I now, I see the pattern of what makes companies very successful and that people culture is, is at the top and it matters so much that you can go to work and feel committed to the vision and the mission. I know it got me out of bed to know that one Chipotle restaurant was supporting two family farms in the Midwest. That got me out of bed every day and it did for our crews and going to work and working with people you love, it matters. So I, I look for that now. I look for brands that are trying to build that. I look for brands that have integrity with the ingredients they use. Um, and, and I want to support even larger brands that are trying to break into that. It's like, oh, you did that at Chipotle. How can I do that? How can we break through? Yeah. Yeah. And is there an interest in that? I mean, is there an interest in that? Like, are you getting calls like saying, Hey, can you help us do this? I mean, can you help us be able to figure this out? Yes. I get I calls. That. And then that's, 
from building relationships along the way. You know, you never know a friend that you had. I, when I lived in San Francisco, um, recently called me and now we're working together. Um, it just, you just never know. And so, you know, never being afraid to walk up to someone and say, Hey, how are you? And, and really start to, to get to know people having that one-to-one dialogue, just opportunities can explode from, from, you know, not even knowing from out of nowhere. And so I feel like I've been drawn to this career path now just through opportunities that have come my way that I had no idea would be a part of what I'm doing, you know? So it, it, it really is from people I know. That's right. Um, it's all rooted in the relationships you built. It's right. That's right. Yeah, that's awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. I love that. I love that. All right. So now we're, now we're going to be going to um, what I love to talk about, which is these questions here. So now we're going to the fast five. So <laughs> the fast five are so much fun because I can't wait to hear your answer to these questions. So what is your favorite order at your hometown restaurant? What's your go-to? Do you know, ever since I've been a kid, Houston's has been one of my favorite restaurants, if not my favorite. So good. Now Hillstone, Houston's, R&D Kitchen. I mean, you name it, any one of those restaurants, I will be happy to wait in line for an hour to get in. (laughs) (laughs) I have a client. I have a client in Kansas City, and he's always sending me Instagram posts of Hillstone, in Houston's, I mean, we talk about it all the time oh. because they're so world-class. They're so yeah. good. They're yeah. so good. Oh, I love that. So what's your favorite thing? Yes, it is. It's the oh. experience, right? It's the overall experience. Yeah. So what do you like to eat at Houston's or Hillstone? So that's really hard because they have such good food. <laughs> <laughs> so it depends what time of day it is. If it's during the day, I'll get their delicious seared tuna salad, uh, which always comes out on a cold plate. And my water is refilled without, you know, me even looking. And uh, <laughs> it's just phenomenal service, quick, uh, delicious ingredients. Um, and then I will always order their delicious baked potato and I get their classic vinaigrette to put on it. I know that sounds kind of strange, but their classic vinaigrette. Oh, no, that sounds I, delicious. I, that sounds delicious. delicious. It's so good. And I had looked it up. Uh, online and I now have the vinaigrette. I have it on my counter right now because I have to have it all the time. I'm I'm just <laughs> such a fan. <laughs> so that's awesome. That's yes, awesome. Houston's is a leader in the restaurant industry. They have nailed so many aspects of what makes restaurants successful. We talked about this at Chipotle food feel flow. Yep. They've got it. They've got it down. I love it. Now, mm-hmm. now I want to go to Houston's. So thanks, Libby. Go. I really appreciate it. Good job. Absolutely. <laughs> what do you mm. know now that you wish you would have known when you first got going? Mm. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, I, I think we've talked about it a little bit uh, during this conversation, but I really wish I would have had more confidence to just flat out ask someone to be my mentor. Yep. I 
was sort of, I had dotted line mentors, if that makes any sense, of people that were very kind and offering me advice, but it wasn't formal. I never said right. to someone, especially a female, I wish I just had said, hi, I really admire you. Will you be my mentor? And I think I could have gained a lot from that. Um, and I just never had the courage to really do that. And it was never offered to me. And I realized it's not going to be offered to you. You have to ask someone for that. Yeah. Um, so I, I now know, and I encourage young aspiring leaders to do that is just, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And if you see someone that you really want to emulate in your own career, just ask. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you said that because I think there are two, I think there are two parts of this. I think one of it is you need to have a mentor for sure. Mm-hmm. And then you yes. need to be a mentor. Then you need to be a mentor, right? Because yes. you really close that circle. You really close that loop. And I think, I think those things are very important. And mm-hmm. I think that now it's much more common for people to talk about having a mentor and it's even, and it's even made kind of, um, I mean, it's a big deal when you have a mentor, right? Because oh, that's yeah. a relationship that you have for a really long time, right? Because a mentor is really someone who's been where you haven't been. They've mm-hmm. seen things you haven't seen. Mm-hmm. They can help to coach you, right, in ways that no one else could because they don't have the experience that they have, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think it's very different from a coach. And and it's 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 such an important role. And, and um, yeah, abs- absolutely. I mean, I think that when you think about that and you think about the power that that is, and even in the relationships that you have now with other people where mm-hmm. you're able to mentor them, I mean, I think that that, you know, and using that experience of you, like, man, I wish I would have had this when I was a young leader. Yeah. Now you can be that for someone else, which I think is really good. Exactly. I, I um, actually have a, a recent grad I'm talking to later today who I met through a leadership conference where I was lucky enough to speak on a panel and I just really take that opportunity. You know, they have business cards, they've flown in from all over the country on a weekend and they take time to do this and you know being able to follow up with them and offer any sort of advice i mean even on linkedin you can you can offer to be a mentor oh yeah oh yeah it's just so important because i would have loved to have had someone reach out to me um because i just didn't know i didn't know how to ask um so i i really i really want to change that and i still read articles about how Female to female mentorship sometimes is more challenging, um, which needs to change. So I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well said. What are you curious about right now, Libby? Oh, I have the tech bug now. <laughs> <laughs> I love technology. I learned so much um, working for this tech startup for a year and a half. Um, and I loved walking in every day and learning something new and fascinating, whether it was even, um, about restaurant POS systems today, um, data analytics, uh, trends and behavior and, and how all of that is analyzed. It's fascinating. 
So I, um, yeah, never thought I would say this, but I really get fired up about analyzing data and um, understanding, you know, human psychology, how it relates to spending behavior and um, really helping people understand that for their own businesses and how they can utilize that information to help them grow. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? A couple things on that. One, I think that's exactly right. I mean, it's just mind blowing when you think about how quick the technology mm. is evolving and changing. Yep. Right. And yep. then two, there, there's no excuse for any business leader, owner, executive to not know what's going on in their business because the analytics are so robust. I mean, the data is so good and it's so real time. I mm-hmm. mean, there is like a dashboard that I can pull up on my phone right now for my client that I'm working with in Kansas city. And I can see sales up to yes. right. Now, right. I mean, yep. it's all this data and all this analytics and now it's like, okay, we've got all this. So now how do we leverage it? That's and right. How we use it. And we think about all the different things that we do in restaurants from ordering and scheduling and, you know, training and all those things. It, it's a, you know, it can be overwhelming, but, but it's, it's, it's so valuable and it's just all about prioritizing what people need right now and, and mm-hmm. kind of what level of technology do they need, right? If they're an early yeah. adopter, right? If they're an early adopter, if they're a nerd like me, throw it all <laughs> at me, right? Yeah. But then also yeah. knowing like, you know, for someone who's maybe just getting into this and is maybe not as comfortable about it, you know, you got to figure out what can they use. So it's, right. it's, uh, Yeah. I'm curious about that too. I'm curious about where it's heading and what it's going to look like even in a year, 18 months, 24 months. What does that look like? It's constant. Yes. Fascinating. Yeah. I I agree. I agree. That's that's so good. Um, What is something when you look back at your career, Libby, what is something that you may have, have wished would have gone differently? Something that (laughs) you may, that you may have failed at, but Mm -hmm. on the other side, on the other side of it has actually made you a better leader. Yeah. Well, I think that I know perception is reality and I have had challenges with managing up and really talking about how I'm contributing and what how that can, you know, how that affects the company. And I think what has been challenging um, in my career about managing up is for, for so long at Chipotle, we, we all worked remotely. And so we didn't have that day-to-day interaction in an office. We were in the restaurants, we were in our cars, we were on conference calls, we, you know, so I think that I could have done a better job at managing up, talking about what I uh, was doing how I was, you know, impacting restaurants, perhaps that could, there could have been better reporting. Um, that was something I don't think I did a good enough job with because I am independent and I just do my job and I, um, will do whatever it takes to get it done. And I don't think I communicated that in a way that I should have, uh, being remote. And so I think that sometimes perception could be, oh, well, this person's not really contributing. And I didn't know how to promote myself. And so I think now I understand how to be very, very clear about what I am doing 
what my strategy is, how I'm going about that strategy, and how to communicate what I've done and, and do that in a way that's helpful to whether it was my boss, whether it's my coworkers, and now for these brands that I'm working with, what am I doing and what's the result and how yep. am I impacting them and, and helping them grow? Um, I was very focused on just doing the job and doing it really well, but that's only half of the story. You know, you need to complete the story by saying, okay, what were the results of that? What can we do yep. differently next time? How is it yep. benefiting you? In so. realizing that it's okay to ask that question, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, and very, that, exactly. Yeah. And, and that really, quite honestly, I think sometimes people, they don't ask that question because they don't want to be viewed as not knowing. But, mm-hmm. but the reality is, is actually the reason you're doing some of what you're doing is so you can get to the point where you can ask the question that needs to be asked because that's how people are going to get better. (laughs) So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. 100%. Uh, Yeah. Speaking of asking questions, is there, (laughs) is there, is there anything that I should have asked you, but I didn't, is there anything that you want to say that we didn't have a chance to talk about? Well, I enjoy reading, speed reading books. Um, and I, I'd love to recommend a few books Please. for any listeners who would like to dive deeper into some of the things we talked about. Um, so one is a book that was written quite a long time ago called Influence. And it's by Robert Cialdini. And it talks about the power of influence and how to utilize influence in a positive way to be successful in any field that you're in. Um, and, and that leads into the second book that I would recommend by Dale Carnegie called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah. He also has one, Never Eat Alone. Yeah, great books. Um, and it talks a lot about the relationship, authentic relationships, asking questions that we've discussed uh, throughout this conversation. I love so it. What, what's your favorite way to read those books? I know you say you like to speed read, but like, is, there, <laughs> is, is there a certain platform that you use? Or Yes, this is a great hack that I've learned over the Please. past couple of years because I just, who has time to sit down and read for hours and hours a day? I would love to, but just no don't, one. No don't one have does. the time. No. Um, so uh, in order to be more like Bill Gates and read 50 books a year, <laughs> <however>. <laughs> exactly. this is a little trick. So if you're reading on your computer or your, uh, your phone, you can bring the paragraph all the way to the top of your screen and just have that sentence you're reading at the very top and just scroll down after you've read that sentence, keeping your eyes at the top and you can get through your paragraphs quicker. You can also read the very tops of the letters and it triggers what the word is in your brain. So you're really moving quickly, picking up keywords and then just keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep scrolling. If you're doing it, actually reading a book, um, you can do the same thing, but you can hold a bookmark, a piece of paper underneath the sentence that you're reading so that your eye isn't, going down and picking up words that are underneath the sentence because your eyes are moving really quickly. And so you, you keeps you focused. How many times have you been reading a book, you look away and then you come back, you're like, Oh, where was I? It happens all the time. All the time. So here's how you can just save time as you're reading. I love it. It works. It's great. Um, and, uh, 
And so that way you can get through a lot. Now I live in LA, so I'm in my car a lot in traffic. Audiobooks are fantastic. I love um, Audible. I love yeah, Audible. Audible is my friend. It's so good. It's, it's wonderful, wonderful service. Um, and, and you can listen to it on airplanes. Um, yeah. You can listen to it when you, you have your phone on airplane mode because you know, you're, they're downloaded, they're yours. So uh, Audible has helped me with international flights and just really inspiring uh, you know, while I'm sitting on an airplane. So I, I highly recommend that. Um, and, and, you know, that is just those little nuggets of knowledge you get from these authors who have interviewed hundreds of people, um, to write the books. It's, it's so valuable. So, uh, I would recommend that. And, you know, and that one other book I would recommend to, you know, young female leaders who are growing, wish I could have read this book when I was younger is the confidence code. And that, uh, is by two women Shipman and Kay, and they really have nailed some of the things that, you know, I've learned the hard way, uh, about how to navigate corporate America right. um, and, and have a seat at that conference room table and, and be not afraid to raise your voice and say what you feel. So I would highly recommend that book too. That's awesome. That's great. I don't think anyone's ever shared anything like that on my podcast. I love that. So thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for doing that. It's so helpful. <laughs> it's so helpful. That's really, really good. Um, there's also a hack I was going to share because you made me think of one, but I can't remember ex- exactly how to explain how to do it. But there's a way now on your iPhone that you can have it read to you. I saw this and oh. it's crazy. So it's not audible. I mean, which is a way easier way to do it. But but there's just... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the headline is "There's no excuse not to always be learning." Right? Yeah, and that's 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 so good. That's so you good. have to. Yeah, it's what yeah. it's what keeps you young because I feel like the older I get, the more I don't know. <laughs> right, right. That's because things learning. are changing so fast. So yeah, I know, um, I know. Oh, yeah, that is the truth. Yeah. That is the truth. All right, so one more question, and um, this is kind of a big overarching question. So. But what's one thing as you work with young leaders now and you, you know, you work with organizations and companies, but what's one thing that's not taught as much as it should be around leadership? Cause I know you work with a lot of different leaders mm. and I know you see a lot of, I'm sure you see a lot of gaping holes. So oh. what, what's one thing that's not taught as much as it should be now? Well, if we want to keep it to the restaurant industry, you know, you grow up through the ranks, understanding how to have a checklist and move through the checklist. If I get through the checklist, I'm doing my job correctly. And so you'll see managers grow and now they're in a management role and they're like, create the checklist and get the checklist done, create the checklist, get the checklist done. That's how I've been trained. And that has led me to success up until this point. And then all of a sudden you're put in this leadership position and nobody tells you, no, 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 no. What's made you successful to this point? Now you got to put that somewhere else and completely do your job differently. <laughs> wow. 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 Right. Because it's not about you at that point. No. Right. Yeah. No. Wow. All of a sudden you are not the most important person in the room. Your team yep. is. So yep. how do you learn how to inspire your team to accomplish their goals? And if nobody ever teaches you that, what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to manage by checklists. 
And you're not going to think about how to have a pre-shift meeting where you actually don't have to talk about the checklist at all. They know the yeah. checklist is there. They know what they have to do. You have to talk about how to inspire this team to get through the day and feel really good about their job and really good about the goal that they're trying to accomplish. That is where the shift really takes place and how the, the leader starts to really understand their role and how to take their team to the next level. That's amazing, Libby. That is amazing. I hope everyone's paying attention to that because that is, that is where the shift is on, right? I mean, it yep. really is. And I think that's why new leaders, I'm using my air quotes, new leaders really mm -hmm. struggle because they don't let go. Right. And they are in this position of them continuing to operate the way they always have and trying right. to lead a team. And then you end up creating isolation with the team that you're supposed to be leading. That's right. That's brilliant. I've never heard it really said that way before. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing Absolutely. That. So I would imagine that I'm going to have some listeners that would love to connect with you and would love to find out more about you. So <laughs> if they would like to do that, what's the easiest way for them to do that, for them to reach out to you? I think LinkedIn is the easiest and greatest way to reach out to people. Um, for me, because I'm now an independent, so I really yeah. utilize it. Um, I think it's a little bit harder when you're in a big company. Uh, but for me, LinkedIn, uh, under my name, Libby Balsiger, um, I can also be found uh, on my DJ page, which is uh, something that I do uh, in my free time. I play music for events and parties. So I have what? Instagram. Yes. What? How do I not know this, <laughs> Libby? Come on. You didn't lead with this? Come on, Libby. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. I love it. Uh, so um, so what the is name your of DJ my page? You can't just leave me hanging. You got <laughs> So now what is it? Okay, so the name of my company is Chica Communications Co. Chica Communications. And my DJ name, which I've had longer, is DJ Chica. So Chica Musica is my, is my page. So at DJ Chica Musica. And um, uh, my, uh, that's my Instagram. And you can also find yeah. me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Chica Musica. So those are also... Uh, really easy ways of getting in touch with me. Um, and then my Instagram page at Libby balls. That's uh, another way I, I use Instagram a lot. Um, you know, both for personal and professional because right. I just, uh, I think it's a great way to get to know people. Um, so yeah, LinkedIn, Instagram, you know, DJ page, and I will be happy to respond and, and, um, talk to you about business life, and music. I love it. How in the hell have I known you for 17 years and not known about this? This is amazing. This is so good. This is so I good. actually got the opportunity to play at Hakkasan for one of the Chipotle manager conferences. And that oh. was one of the highlights of my career because oh. it was so much fun um, to play that is there. Amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> That is amazing, Libby. And this has been amazing. Thank you so much for taking the Thank time you, to get on Bobby. my podcast and to share all these great stories and what you're doing now and just the incredible impact that you're making. I'm so proud Thank of you. Thank you. It's so fun to reconnect with you. And uh, I admire what you're doing. And um, 
will certainly utilize you as a mentor for me as I, you know, start my path uh, as an independent. So really, really appreciate you taking the time to offer me your advice as well. It's my pleasure, Libby. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Cutting Onions podcast. I would be honored if you would go to wherever you consume podcast content and leave us a rating and a review. It would mean a lot to us as we continue to try to produce high quality content that helps you on your leadership journey. I also want to take a second and talk about the work that I'm doing here and why I'm doing these podcasts. This is all about elevating other leaders and being able to celebrate the cultures that they've built inside of their organizations. And through that work, I hope it provides me an opportunity and a platform to be able to speak into the lives of other leaders and organizations out there who are trying to create amazing cultures. That's what Bobby Shaw Consulting does. That's what we've always done. So thank you again for the support of the work that I'm trying to do. I hope you guys have a great week and a great New Year's holiday. And we'll see you back here for another conversation on the Cutting Onions podcast one week from today. The music in this podcast, Walking Strong, was created and composed by Chris Zimmer.